Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another Let's Commiserate. I'm Sam. And I'm Dave. And we are talking about Ahsoka Episode 6, Far, Far Away. Far, far. So far away from Shrek 2, yeah. Um, there, this episode had a lot of pressure on it following the episode from last week the highly anticipated fifth episode where we got to see the return of anakin world between worlds so this episode had a lot riding on its shoulders and i feel like the season the 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 show itself the entire season is finally starting to get a, a footing um not only with the characters but with the plot line this like we're gonna talk about it a little bit later on but this is the episode that actually like starts getting into Everything that's been promised for the entire season. We finally, finally see Thrawn and Ezra. Also, probably should have mentioned spoilers before saying that sentence, but I don't think you'll be listening to this if you weren't expecting spoilers. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that we finally got to see them. Overall, before we get too deeply into it, I... I don't think you and I are going to see eye, eye to eye on this episode. No, I agree. But, which, is, which is good. I like the conflict. Yeah. It makes for entertainment. So let's start from the beginning. We pick up in not hyperspace, but purple space. Um, I actually, I was reminded recently of um, Spaceballs, the part uh, Insanity. Oh, it's not even ludicrous. Ludicrous speed. speed. There's yeah. There's hyperspeed mm-hmm. and then there's ludicrous speed. And that's kind of what um yeah. we're at. We have purgle speed. Pretty colors. Which is I've never I've never seen um pretty colors inside of uh hyperspace before. Yep. Yeah, it was it's kind of like a tunnel of pretty colors and lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh we pick up right where we left off from last week. Ahsoka is with Hu Yang, and it was uh an interesting little way for him to start telling a story by saying a long time ago in a galaxy far. I did like this little bit of dialogue between the two of them because Ahsoka's obviously um, kind of bemoaning the fact Sabine wasn't ready. She wasn't trained enough. She made the wrong decision, quote unquote, the wrong decision. And Hu Yang is just kind of like, you know, what happened was supposed to happen. And it was, you know, it was Sabine's decision, but yeah. It's but if there was any episode for him to say in a galaxy far, far away, this was this was the one. This was because we literally go to another galaxy. That is that happens to be very far, far away. It happens to be so. My question is: Are we multiversing now? Is is Star Wars taking the Marvel route? Because. You know, okay, and 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 this is a funny because technically the Star Wars universe is already a multiverse, mm-hmm. multi multi universe. Let's clarify that because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, they have multiple like time spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all kind of branches, and then you have like the variants and stuff. So it's it's the multiverse in that it's the same. It's splintering timelines, whereas in Star Wars, it's the same timeline but in different locales. Right. So a, a, a mere technical definition here between yeah, multiverse was theory definitely paying attention and that. the multi-universe theory. Dude, you checked out. You totally checked out. You, you totally still, you're still not listening to me. I'm listening to you. No, you're not. Stop I'm listening, listening to you, but it's just, it's, it's a multiverse. I mean, let's, let's be, let's be real here. Okay. So we pick up in hyperspace. We finally get to Peridia. The Eye of Scion arrives to Peridia. Um, 
I was reminded of, uh, well, there were a lot of things that this world brought to mind for me personally, when they talked about the planet being a graveyard, uh, I was reminded of Korriban, uh, the famous Sith world, uh, full of ancient ruins and statues. It didn't look really like Korriban, but just the way they were talking about it, that's what, uh, brought to mind, what it brought to mind for me. Which is, which is similar. They're saying this is the original homeworld of the original Dathomiri, the, the, the Night Sisters. This is where they came from prior to, yeah. you know, the, an old, an old era. It was a, a nice, it, it was interesting that the rings around Peridia, it wasn't like, you know, like Saturn's Hold rings on, hold on. I got, I got to jump in here. Um, as they're flying towards the planet, I believe it's um who is it is it uh Baylorn or, or one of the characters says oh it's like oh this is where the purgle come to die yeah and then there's that slow pan of the rings around the planet yeah and this is totally I I was completely reminded of the Lion King this is the elephant, I, the graveyard. elephant graveyard well like literally the rings around Peridia are the bones of purgles dead I was like yeah dead. well yeah. Would they be alive? Just to clarify, they're not suffering anymore. Do you find a human bone, or you're like, yes, this is how old are alive? Birds? I don't like know. how how old probably can they, wicked can old. Um, wicked, wicked sorry, old. Sorry, quite old. Um, there's also this randomly really weird stare down between Shin and uh, Sabine before they land on Peridia, and it's like this really awkward shot of Shin looking at her. I don't know what the editing choice was there, but okay. I kind of want to go back and do like a, a a fan cut with like what they were thinking because mm-hmm. it was awkwardly long. I would just want to insert myself also staring at them like, hey guys. If you can green screen yourself in, please. Yeah. Um, what do we make of the howlers or the bat dogs as you called them? um the bat dogs okay so they get down there's a couple of uh like wide pans of the planet and you you see these kind of like wolf like creatures off in the distance later on in the episode you get some more close-ups uh apparently they've been domesticated Mm -hmm. they kind of look like a a bat dog horse sized maybe like a camel a little bit of camel mixed in there uh, but i they look like bat dogs yeah um the the snout kind of the ear Mm -hmm. and they act like dogs it's it's interesting i you were you were very mad well i was like i feel like close scene of them you were upset at how bad the cgi was and maybe it's not horrible i just feel like it didn't go through a final render like they, they didn't look completed to me, and maybe part of it is because in these live action series, uh, Mandalorian especially, we've gotten so conditioned to everything being practical. So then when we go back to a computer generated animal, it's jarring. And so I was, maybe I was just you were thrown off, but certainly thrown for a loop. Their design and movements didn't really grow on me as the episode went along. I mean, the one that Sabine was interacting with, kind of cute. Okay, I get it. Dog relationship but i the the bat dogs they 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 weren't doing it for me i and and this is where we 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 deviate and i feel like there was enough other cgi in this episode that i was ready i was ready to see it and it wasn't jarring it wasn't um off-putting to see and would i like to have had a a practical effect but for the amount that this fowler played in the episode fowler um 
Howler? Fowler. Howler. Howler's a bird, right? No, Fowler's a seating position. Or um okay, yes, the howler. Um I feel like they probably could have done a practical effect, but it wouldn't not it wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't have lived up to as well as and especially as the the, the episode progresses, like the dialogue that Sabine has with it and the interaction she has with it, it's very conversational. And the dog reacts like a, a extremely intelligent dog, like almost like a sheep herding dog. It's just the way it kind of like apparently it understands her, like to the T and stuff. Um which was kind of interesting to see. Um, but I don't personally I don't feel like the render uh looked bad. Also, I'd just like it. to say I was not completely wrong about Fowler being related to birds. A fowler is a person who hunts birds, particularly wild fowl. Did you just Google that because you wanted to prove yourself right? I did, and I did. Wow. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um Okay, so they they get to the planet, and there's this interesting little uh, interaction where um, Morgan uh, mm -hmm. meets up with the. There's three uh, Night Sisters there that well, are, I guess, our original, not like Peridian. The Great Mothers. The Great Mothers. <laughs> well, I mean, in the in this episode, it's it's a lot to take in because we are treated to the first uh, live action depictions of three different characters or like types of characters if you will we have the first live action uh adaptation of the night sisters granted and morgan is related but still uh we have our first live action depiction of thrawn and our first live action depiction of ezra so there was there was a lot going on here i felt like they did a pretty decent design uh job with the design of the night sisters it felt like they no, really just stepped very, off the clone wars screen very authentic to the uh like classic Night Sisters. Yeah. And we are also, we get a lot more time with Balin and Shin here, which I will say was nice because we finally learn more about Balin's whole motivation. I know we talked about that during the episode. Like, I, I feel like Balin is going to become, if he hasn't already, one of the deeper characters in this series that we still, and that's kind of what I like about it, is there's still so much mystery around who, like, what is his motive, and why is he here, what's he doing? Uh, Ahsoka, we already know so much about her and her backstory, and wh where she's been, what she's done. Balin's still kind of this this mystery. I don't, I don't want to call him a blank slate, but he's kind of a cloud. Like, you don't know what's there yet. I'm excited to kind of see how they keep developing his character. I'm I'm trying to be intrigued by it. I just, like... You they're, just hate Shin. I don't hate Shin. Edward. I'm just like, they're just so boring. Like, we have so many new characters shoved into this series that ba if Balin was like the sole, you know, antagonist in this, maybe I would get more interested. But I feel like there's so many great characters here already. And for what they did in this episode, I think... They did pretty well. Uh, he's tired of the cycle of, you know, Jedi rise, Sith defeat, Sith rise, Jedi defeat, this, that, and the other. Empire rises, whatever. But it's like, I, I don't know. I just can't. I am not invested in any of these antagonists at all. I'm just so bored of it because what you said is true. He is probably one of the deepest characters in this series. 
But compared to characters in other series, like, again, I'm going to say it, Andor. All the characters there, you have so many questions about what they're thinking in any given moment. They're keeping you on the edge of their seat. Balin, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, you know, I, I, I see both sides and, you know, I have different views. And it's like, I get it, but... We've seen it in so many novels and Star Wars video games at this point that I just, I just don't care at the moment. You Maybe I will down the, Lord. down the Lord, down, down the Lord, down the line, down the line. That's what I meant. Um, but yeah, so while I did enjoy the scenes overall, and I'm going to come out of this thing. Whoa, I'm, I will, I will yeah. agree with you that, um, I love Baylorn's Baylorn's character as a kind of a neutral uh Balin, not Baylorn. I keep saying Baylorn. I don't know why Baylorn is coming. Um Balin's he he kind of sees both sides. Um I've he's heard obviously choosing his his path for himself, kind of this neutral gray, gray Jedi stance. The unfortunate thing is that I, I feel like they're leaning too heavily into this because in like the original movies and animated series, like you have some very strong-willed characters for evil or for good. Um, and, you know, they were kind of stereotypical, that's a good guy, quote, because he has a blue lightsaber, and that's a bad guy because he has a red lightsaber. Whereas Balin has these, you know, you still don't know wh which side of the fence he falls on. Kind of like Ahsoka, it's kind of a, a picky, you know, pick-and-choose own morality. But it's kind of getting... To be a little overkill with all the gray characters. It now, seems like, to have a lot of characters in the same series. Yeah, like because if everybody's gray, yes. then nobody's gray. Like, well, and pick a side. Pick a side. It's uh, yeah. I we also get uh, kind of switching gears here. Last episode was spent like we had all the time with Ahsoka, and uh, Hera was a major player in the last episode. This episode, we bear, we get Ahsoka in one scene, the beginning scene. scene. We don't see her at all. And we spend a good chunk of our time with Sabine. And you know what I've decided? I kind of just can't with Sabine anymore. <laughs> and I talk to people who I know who are enjoying what they're doing with their character. But I just, I, I, I just can't. Because now that she's found Ezra, now what? It's because that's been her sole motivation. Yeah, um... I think we we talked about it during the episode like she's not she they've made her into this character that she's not a very um appreciative kind generous um what's the word I'm looking for philanthropic like a good word and even I I love the little dialogue that Thrawn has with her he's like I mean, you know, they this is obviously a modern translation, but Doc, you just gambled your entire galaxy to meet your your buddy. Yeah. And she's like, well, you wouldn't understand, which is it's such just, a top out of an answer. It's just so it's frustrating to see because in Rebels and the animated series, she was much more fleshed out. I feel uh, she had such a connection with her people, the Mandalorians. That's hardly been mentioned in this series. She is. Considering that the Darksaber has played such a part in the live-action series that it's gotten no mention of any kind from her, uh, maybe they did like a one-off mention in the first or second episode here, but the fact that all of that has basically been stripped away and her sole purpose is now just finding Ezra, now she finds him. Now what? Now what? She's what, what found Ezra like 
So I'm curious to see where they go with that. All right. Well, moving on, I wanted to get your thoughts on the because this is the first time we've seen a live action Thrawn. Yeah. Costume thoughts. Uh, all I see when I look at this Thrawn is Elon Musk. It's blue Elon Musk. And I know I'm not the first to say that, but I'm having a hard time finding. I mean, okay, and I. I feel like I still need to be balanced. I'm glad that we finally have gotten to see Thrawn. All right. They've, you know, there's, there's payoff here. Yeah. And he doesn't just show, just show up for a couple of lines. He is actually, all right. Now that he's here, he's doing stuff. He's involved. Um, just don't find him intimidating at all in this live action form. Uh, I feel like he looks too old. And I know that's not, you know, the actor's fault, but it's, it feels like it feels like it reminds me when my siblings and I would make Star Wars videos when we were kids and we would ask our dad to play a character and you know be like one of the villains or something. It feels like somebody asked someone's dad to come play Thrawn in the live action. He's just kind of playing along because he knows that the kids are really enjoying this and he just wants to humor the kids. Um I get it, it's been decades, but I will say this, the fact that they got the literal voice actor for Thrawn to play him in live action is pretty cool, and his voice is just on point as ever. Your thoughts? Um, his voice, spot on. Um, I will agree, the, the costume itself, the makeup, the outfit, everything is accurate, um, according to the lore that we know about Thrawn. Um, the, and I, I, I'm not sure how else to put it, but... I feel like the actor, Lars Mikkelsen, he doesn't, like him has, as a person, doesn't carry the command and respect when he walks into the room mm -hmm. the way that Thrawn would. Yeah. You know how some people just have that commanding presence? Um, and uh, what's the guy's name in The Fugitive? I am blanking hard right now. Harrison Ford? No. no, 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 the other guy, the cop. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. I, I read a, a great little like 40th anniversary on that. And they said that when he walked in a room, like the energy shifted mm -hmm. because he just kind of like, you knew he was there. He had that kind of presence. And I feel like Thrawn from the books and from, and, and from the animated series would have that kind of just presence. Well, everything you read about Thrawn in the Heir to the Empire series and even his depiction in Rebels, he is just sinister. And and every moment, and even in the way they depicted him in Rebels, he commands the scene just the way he carries himself. Uh, this Thrawn, and I don't want to harp on the actor. It's not the actor's fault. You know, aging is not his fault. But uh, somebody texted me during the episode. They said, man, Thrawn kind of let himself go. I would say it's, it looks like he's put on weight. I, I mean, just harp on that, you know. It's, I mean, from it's the, a struggle. It's a... From the animated show to live action, did he age? Yes. Did he put on weight? Maybe. But this is basically, I mean, trying to get the timeline right, this has been about roughly 10 years between the end of Rebels and when this series takes place. So, you know, a lot can happen in things, 10 years. Things happen. Things happen. Uh, this was also an episode where we, we initially meet the Knight Brothers. Get ready for the whole Knight family. The Knight Fathers, the Knight Mothers, the Knight Sisters, the Knight Brothers, the Knight Children um thoughts are you talking about the night troopers or the bandits or the night the night troopers the night troopers yeah uh i kind of like uh the designs here 
both of the night troopers and that um refurbished star destroyer if you will um i kind of like that uh risen from the ashes aesthetic like hey we've been <laughs> we get knocked down but we get up again um thrawn chumble wumble edition yeah i'm not sure uh enoch or enoch as i thought you would pronounce the name it's spelled um, enoch thrawn i'm not sure enoch. like yeah i'm not sure where they got i mean like because he has an interesting face mask i don't know if this was just like gathered from ruins around the planet i don't know if there's any significance to the specific mask that enoch is wearing um but yeah it's 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 a different design uh design choice and i don't i don't hate it um and to be fair this is still one that we know and love like he is always trying to think think ahead he wants all the details he doesn't just want the details he wants to understand the details uh he's like we are not going to assume that ahsoka is dead we are going to assume that she survived until we are able to prove otherwise that's how he is i'm glad operating. i'm glad you brought up that specific piece of uh of script because I feel like it's in that little bit of logic between Thrawn and, and um, Morgan mm -hmm. that you really see, you, you start seeing why Thrawn is who he is. He is mad intelligent. And that's kind of his, and we're not just talking about his strategy. <laughs> we're talking about like his logic and reasoning. Right. And this is one of the most terrifying things about him is he is smarter than everyone else in the room. Yep. And what... At the same time, I feel like his plan seems a little short-sighted because he openly admits that he basically doesn't really care what happens to Sabine as she as he sends her on kind of this wild goose chase to... Well, it doesn't end up being wild goose chase, but this uh, mission to find Ezra. They call he, it a fool's errand. Yeah, he doesn't really care what happens to them or even to Balin and Shin and he, as he sends them after Sabine and Ezra. He, Thrawn just really cares about getting out of this galaxy, which doesn't seem like Thrawn, because if Thrawn is able to get out of here, he doesn't think that Sabine and Ezra will be able to find a way? Well, I, I agree. I, I found it extremely confusing that he doesn't care about Ezra. He doesn't care about Sabine. He doesn't care about Balin and, and, and Shin. Um, and then he sends two garrisons of troopers, two units after them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you if you really don't care, then then why did you just assign these guys to follow them? If you don't care, then why do you care? Frankly, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I need to mention to the uh, Nodi. I think that's how you pronounce it. These uh, little turtle guys. Yeah, the little turtle rock guys. All I could think of were the rock people from Frozen. <laughs> like they roll over and they start singing songs. It was. Uh, I was expecting a musical number, frankly. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's my problem with this episode overall. There was, there was just trying to shove too many new things into it that I'm like, I didn't have time to just breathe and focus on one new thing that I really like. But maybe I'm just too picky. Well, and frankly, I'm getting a little bit confused because the typically the aesthetic for Dathomir and for um. It, like Dathomir is kind of like organic, um, more I don't know Native American and stuff. But I feel like in this episode that Peridia they they, they heavily use like Japanese influence mm -hmm. between the um, what's it called with the armor the Kitsu Kitsugami with the gold. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just like the the Nodi with their kind of like their accent, it sounds. I, I'm just interested in seeing the aesthetic design. They're trying to make this a little bit more Eastern, um, as opposed to typically what we're more familiar with with the you know Dathomirian planet and such. Yeah, um, interesting design choice. I, um, There's... But I, I do agree. I feel like they're trying to introduce too much too fast. Granted, this was kind of a big episode. They had to bring in Thrawn. Um, I don't know if they, again, for pacing, I don't know if they should have brought Ezra in on this episode yet, because I feel like the whole thing thus far has been kind of rushed. We've had six episodes of, of, um, I don't know, character setup and, yep. and, and situational storytelling, and now it's like all happening in one episode. Well, so we finally witnessed the, you know, the uh the i don't even know what word to describe it it's been very hyped up the very anticipated for lack of a better word reunion between ezra and sabine what did you think ah yes the antithesis of anticipation Mm -hmm. um i think they nailed it i think they nailed it in that you think nailed it okay okay hear me out before you criticize me you can't make fun of a superhero and without hearing his a criticism on you. I'm criticizing the show, but I will criticize you for being wrong in your view. How else are you supposed to introduce? How else are, are, are Sabine and Ezra supposed to meet? You guys, now that I've gathered you all in the writing yep. room, I have the perfect idea for, like, we've spent six episodes, you know, nearly six hours building up this big reunion between Ezra and Sabine. What if we just, like, slow pan around this boring turtle camp get about like 30 different shots of turtles doing turtle things because they're turtles and playing really slow underwhelming music and maybe cut to a couple shots of sabine looking at them and then we'll pan around sabine and see ezra's just literally standing there not really any emotion coming from him and he's just like hey i knew i could count on you uh yeah can i have like a ride or whatever and that's just kind of it so underwhelming so underwhelming yeah i was gonna say the the dialogue part of where they're talking no but we're talking about the reunion now the the reunion the entire setup that was that was whack i i agree agree with that no epic like crescendo even in the music like it's but i you know and, and that's kind of what kills me is because that's how it likely would go down. If you hadn't seen somebody in eight years and you track them to the other side of the planet and you walk in, they're probably just going to be like, they weren't expecting you. They, they don't have time to like set up fireworks and, and a grand, you know, she clearly game. had time. She's so like, no, he she had enough time to go out and strike a pose and be like, Hey bro, he had 10 seconds. Hey, he had time. How long did we spend on that shot of her just looking around the camp? At least I'm gonna say it was at least 42 seconds. He had time to even just even just be like, Sabine, it's me. <laughs> and I mean, we got like a little uh, line from him at the end. Is like, oh, and by the way, thanks. I guess. Dog, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you on this one because if okay, if I hadn't seen you in like 10 years and then you disappeared and I tracked you to Japan and then. I, I walk into this tiny little turtle village and you're there. What are you going to be like? Ah! Yeah, I probably no, would. You're not. You're going to strike a pose and be like, hey, what's up? I would come up with a better line than, 
Uh, I knew I could count on you. I could have done so much better than that. No, I, I stand by. I am. You could not have come up with better. I. That's and that's what. In that, my that's sleep, why they nailed it better. is because they did it. They, they did it very realistically. Now, granted, I'm just scrubbing granted, through, seeing how much time passes is, between when Sabine enters the camp and when we finally see Ezra. It's a minute and a half. A full minute and a half. That is precious screen time. It's No, if we've learned anything from this show, they don't care about quality screen time. They just care about screen time. And, you know, he doesn't even seem surprised to see her. No. Considering he's literally, literally in another galaxy. And it seems like, did he expect her like did yeah. he try looking for her or anything once because he like he, his, he's a jedi he must have been able to sense that she was on the planet am i right he knew he could count on her but yeah so better not like try to make her job any easier i'll just what be, better make some turtle soup just in case <laughs> no um i am interested the one uh throughout a couple of scenes in this episode you see that the night troopers transporting about I don't know, coffin-sized um, packages, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you know, five, five feet, six feet long, you know, two by three, um, from the planet, from their little, you know, uh, docking uh, tower up to the Super Star Destroyer. Um, I just kind of wanted to ask uh, fan theories, what do you think are in those? I have no idea what's in the, um, you know, maybe... Maybe it's a lifetime supply of chocolate that some lucky kid won after touring a factory. Peridian chocolate. Um, I wonder what that would taste like. Yeah, I, you know, I think this episode is just what happens when you let an entire episode rest on Sabine. Those of you who love Sabine in this live action adaptation, you're probably going to love this. Good for you. I'm happy for you. Me, I'm just, I feel like the really gut punched Sabine's character for live action compared to how she was portrayed in Rebels. I miss Rebels, Sabine. I will state for the record that I have never been a Sabine fan from the original Rebels animated series. Um and this show frankly is not doing her any favors for me. Nope. Um the character, the, the character growth, um it's I still see a very immature and selfish like like fundamental and I'm interested in seeing how they try to have Ahsoka deal with this. Cause not she's not even just being a rebel. Like like the dynamic we saw between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like Anakin, he had these like inclinations for the dark side and back and forth and stuff. And Obi-Wan was kind of this like mentor, but he was like, you could kind of identify with him. You're like, I get it, but or he could identify with Anakin, like it looks and I get it, but you know, this is what we're this is what Jedi's do. In this case, Ahsoka's kind of like like the parent with no rules. It's like, yeah, I leave my, you know, let my kids stay up late because, you know, it's their life. And you're like, number one, you're a terrible parent. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm struggling because I feel like so much of the plot in this whole series is forced and contrived that it's hard to feel like any of it is really organic. Because again, what is this really building up to? Just a showdown between Ahsoka and Thrawn. We... I think it's safe to assume that Thrawn is killed off at some point because you don't see or hear of Thrawn at all by the time uh, The Force Awakens comes around. 
And so I don't know. It's that we that we know of. That we know of. Maybe he is banished to another galaxy again. I don't know. The thing is, they may still just retcon him into um, the new order that he was on the other side of the galaxy, or you know, you just didn't see his hologram in some of the conversations and stuff. We still don't know anything about um, who was the villain in seven. That he he was there for like a hot second. Snoke. You know, I Snoke was another one I could not care about. I was like, we're, we're let's not get into Snoke. That's an, another hour debate right there. Oh goodness gracious! Um, okay, just a, another highlight in the story here with the uh, the Night Mothers. They tell Thrawn, and they're like, "Hey, we've sensed that Ahsoka is on the way here." Yes, and he's like, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, dog, purple." He's like. He's like, yo, I love that chick. Like, tell, yeah, okay, drop her a pin. Like, maybe we could meet up, go for a beer or something. I'm sure we have some things that we need to work out, but, you know, she might be a little mad at me for things I did in the past. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what this is all building to, toward uh, next episode. Not sure what we're in store for. I'm sure we'll pick. I mean, Ahsoka's still stuck in the belly of a, of a fish. Last we checked, yeah. uh, Hera was with Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was about to, she was escaping punishment for going on this mission without permission. Um, so I don't know. I, everyone's, just, everyone's just kind of in a mess right now as Which it stands. You can, you can um, certify that I was mad at the end of this episode because it ended, uh, it ended oddly. Like it, there, it wasn't a cliffhanger. There was no cliffhanger. It wasn't like da da da. Yeah. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion. It was just kind of all of these loose threads. You have, you have Ahsoka, you have Jason, you have uh, Hera and Ezra and Sabine now together, and then you have uh, Balin and 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 uh, Shin. Yeah, I'm sure. There's yeah. no resolution to any of this yet. I feel like Ezra has to be hiding something from Sabine. Um, Guarantee. Well, yeah. Okay. Why is he living like a monk with a bunch of turtles? Thrawn is building an armada. He doesn't seem to really care that Sabine has found him. Like the Ezra that we know from the live action. Again, I'm not stupid. I know years have passed. He's matured and stuff. But, you know, there's not... (laughs) I don't know. Like he matured? He's been... He just spent the last 10 years with a bunch of turtles. Matured. Yeah. He's a teenage mutant ninja turtle. He's literally... So I don't know. It was, I think if I had to describe this episode in one word, I would say underwhelming. Okay. Now, just for the sake of argument, is it underwhelming because it's coming hot off the heels of the last episode and that was so good? It's not my fault that they structured things poorly, that they would follow up an epic episode, save the episode, epic episode for either the season premiere or the season finale. You know, don't put it in the middle where it has the next episode is going to have a tough act to follow. How would you describe this episode in one word? Um, I don't know. I don't even know. Um, confusing, anxiety building. And that's not one word. Overall, I mean, overall thoughts of it. Yeah. Overall, um, I feel like they're finally getting around to advancing the plot. Like the the actual story of Ahsoka, um, for what this series was supposed to be, it was supposed to be Ahsoka finding Thrawn. Now, how they're getting there, I'm a little concerned, mm-hmm. concerned, confused. 
at. Um, I fully did not expect Sabine um, running solo, trying to find Ezra, turning her back on Ahsoka. Like, there is some betrayal and, and excitement and drama that I didn't expect. But I think it's putting in doubt the characters that I already know and love, which is kind of, it's it conflicting. I find this episode conflicting <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, Thrawn is not what I expected. Sabine is not who I thought she was. Ezra, I have no clue. You know, he's not Luke Skywalker living in a cave, no. bur burning Jedi textbooks yet. But I feel like they're got, probably going to pull some shenanigan like that. Yeah. It was... Um, it's hard to tell what Ezra's... If, does Ezra even have a plan? Is he just content to... Uh, well, he said he's looking forward to going home. And we were like, oof. I don't know if you're going to like this. Because but... I mean, the other thing is, how are they supposed to get back? Yeah. You either you either you have to be on the eye of Sion. Yep. I think they did, I will say they did a good job of explaining uh where Ezra and Thrawn have been this whole time. Um it's a solid explanation, especially factoring in the Purgles. So I'm glad that we got the question answered. My my new question is just where do we go from here? So those are my thoughts. So, okay, when you say, where do we go from here? Do you feel like the overarching story has finally been finished? Has the mission been accomplished? We, yeah, we found them. And now Thrawn's going to do Thrawny things because he's Thrawn. Uh, yeah, I'm just not sure. Maybe we'll, um, could we see an appearance from Moff Gideon? No. No, they wouldn't. I don't do know. That. I don't. They know. wouldn't do. This that. takes place at the same time. No, this takes place at the same time. And Moff Gideon, he all Mandalorian season three was talking about Admiral Thrawn. I or how did that end? He was like, I'm gonna step in because Thrawn is nowhere to be found, and you know I, I'm gonna be running the show. I forget how it ended, but I don't know because this is all. Somebody was uh, talking to me the other day about. Uh, could this all be building toward a Avengers style movie between Ahsoka, Mandalorian, perhaps even Boba Fett, since these are all taking place in the same timeline? I don't know. Disney is just crazy enough to try. Holy Filoni. I'm gonna Holy be very Filoni, upset. Batman. I will be very upset yeah. if they if they end all of these seasons, like all these series, with a movie. Yeah. You know, and I and I don't want them to go the Marvel route. And... No, I feel like Marvel, they had a good formula and they overplayed it. Yep. They overplayed their hand. And I, I feel like the, the, the listening audience, like the, the, the viewing audience for Marvel kind of finally caught on to it. And they're like, because they used to be like diehard fans that were like, we're going to watch anything that you put out because Iron Man was so good. Yep. You know, we're completely going to forget about Incredible Hulk, though. Mm -hmm. Um. But then they, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this is all building toward. But, I don't know, man. I don't know. But in the meantime, uh, let us know what you guys thought. We are fast approaching the end of this season. Uh, there's only two episodes left, so there's only so much more that can happen. They're going to have to wrap this up fast, man. They are. And then uh, we'll see where we go from there. But we, we do know that Ahsoka Season 2 has already been That's like, been approved. confirmed. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, we'll probably have Andor Season 2 before then. 
as well. So, no, Andor. Now that is <laughs> that's some good TV right yeah. there. Yeah, I I'm excited to review that as well. There's well, we just have to find something to fill our time I, between then. I feel like there's going to be a lot more in that episode, like that TV series, to praise mm-hmm. instead of. Uh, um, what what is the word uh, uh criticize Critic yeah what's the opposite of praise <laughs> hey this you know i i have to dissect every part you know that's why i'm here well i can't think of a better way to end this episode than uh to fade off with the words a long time ago in a galaxy far far away because that's honestly how this episode started. Um, so start to finish, I think it was a good. I think it was it a good was, time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was one of the times. Of it time. was. It was a time. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next time for episode. Look, no, the eight. This was seven. This was six. This was six. This was one hundred. Oh, I look. This was oh, six. Right. All right. I'm not cutting this. Everyone, cut. we're gonna see you next week. Looking forward to it. Goodbye.